Welcome back to another episode of the Around the Block podcast from Coinbase. I'm your host, Justin Martin. And today we're chatting about self-custodial wallets. It's a little bit of a confusing topic because you might think you have a wallet, you own some crypto on an exchange, maybe coinbase.com, but there's this whole other category of wallets, self-custodial wallets. So it can be a little bit confusing, but we want to break down what is a self-custodial wallet, what is the difference between the two, and why should you care? Why should you get involved? The conversation actually veers into the future of crypto and why wallets are going to be such an important element to all of it. So it was a great conversation. And I have on with me today, Chintan Tharakia. He is our director of engineering for Coinbase Wallet and exactly the right person to chat with. Let's dive in. So, hey, what we want to talk about today, obviously, is self-custodial wallets. Uh, the context here is that, you know, Coinbase is a crypto company and Everybody associates us, I think, with our main application, our main use case, and that's the Coinbase mobile app where you can buy or sell crypto. Um, but we actually have a broad range of other yeah. products. Another product we have is Coinbase Wallet. Yes. And <laughs> what's uniquely yes. confusing, though, and, and what I think is going to be great to chat about is, is that, you know, the unfortunate reality is when you type in Coinbase to the iOS, the Google App Store, you're going to get two different applications. One says Coinbase, one says Coinbase Wallet. Yep. And so this is like a bit of confusion, right? Like, like what exactly oh. is the difference between these two? So help me break it down. What is the difference between those two? How do we help our users understand this better? So going back to your question, like what, what is the difference between these two, right? Um, Coinbase.com, what, you know, what everyone at the Super Bowl saw, the QR code that takes you, signs you up for some, you know, get some Bitcoin. Uh, Coinbase.com, like think of it as, you know, simply just it's a centralized exchange, right? And so what does that that actually mean? At the end of the day, all this stuff like boils down to who, who owns the keys? Who's the custodian? And I think that's like this key new word in the crypto space to learn well um, is custody or who at the end of the day is, is the custodian. So Coinbase.com, Coinbase is the custodian, right? And it's very similar to what we do a lot in the US, which is we get our paycheck, or we want to put some money into the bank, the bank is the custodian, right? And the bank is the one who's responsible for those assets and responsible for all that and uh, how you engage and, and how you use those assets. They're the ones that at the end of the day, like are managing your money. Um, and so same thing with Coinbase.com, like Coinbase is the custodian, they manage the keys for you. Coinbase wallet is a non-custodial or a self-custody product, right? And so what does that actually mean? Um, at the end of the day, all of this boils down to, again, who holds the keys. So in the self-custody wallet, you, the person who downloaded the app, are the holder of those keys. You are responsible for those keys. And when you get some crypto into your wallet, you are the holder of those assets. Versus Coinbase.com, Coinbase is actually the holder of those assets because Coinbase yeah. is the custodian. Coinbase.com, the main Coinbase app, that's like your bank for crypto. Yeah. It, it, it gives you the ability to experience and access crypto without any complexity in your end. Yeah. Add your bank account, click a few buttons, you're doing crypto, right? Yep. The Coinbase wallet is like, you're holding the cash in your hands. Yeah. It's under your mattress, it's wherever you want to put it, but hey, you could, you could spend it wherever you want to do. Whereas the bank, we well, have a debit card, you have a credit card, and you know, they kind of curate the whole environment, the whole kind of experience for you. So that's maybe the high level way to think about it is, do you want the curated experience, the easy, simple to use experience where somebody else is custodying your funds, holding onto them for you, or do you want to hold them yourself? Right. And, and if you think of this, like there, there's a, a risk profile associated to it, right? It's like, you know, you, you walk into a bank, you want to open up a checking account. Fine. You walk in, 
you, you sit down at someone's desk, you have some chit chat, some coffee, they take your driver's license, perhaps if you're in the US, and, and you get an, a nice little checking account with the checkbook, right? And Coinbase.com, our goal is like to make that as easy as possible when some, someone is entering uh, the crypto space, right? Taking their US uh, dollars or, or whatever local currency, and then on ramping into to crypto. Um, and and the trust is in the bank, and, and in this case, the trust is in Coinbase. We are the custodian. Coinbase.com is a custodian. Uh, but then the other end of sort of uh, the profile is, like you said, we want to keep it, uh, hold our own ha assets and be in control of that. And I kind of give the analogy also, like when I explain this to my parents or friends, like, well, when you go into your home every day, there is an address, right? There's like a house number and a street and a zip code, at least if you're in the US, um, that, you know, triangulates the exact position of your home. Cool. Like, that's like your wallet address you can think of, right? But when you want to enter the the, the actual front door, you got to take your key or, you know, punch in a code into your uh, digital lock and the front door opens. You don't need to get permission from anyone. You know the keys, right? And once you open that door, a bunch of money could be sitting under a mattress. That's kind of like a, a very clean yeah. and simple analogy for like what a self-custody wallet is. What, what might be interesting here too is just to trace some of the differences between the custodial version of wallets and the non-custodial version of wallets. Uh, some pros and cons, so to speak, of each. And so let's high level just talk about what are the pros to using Coinbase.com, the main app, not necessarily Coinbase Wallet, the self-custodial app. Why would somebody choose that over Coinbase Wallet? Yeah. And and I, I think uh, just to like kick it off, I don't think it's also mutually exclusive. And, and I'll get to that. Um, but, you know, if, if for someone starting their, their journey into crypto, um, and I think we onboarded a lot of users from from that just really awesome Super Bowl ad too. Uh, Coinbase One, like why you would use the Coinbase.com app is Coinbase's brand uh, exudes trust. And again, this is important in the centralized exchange world because Coinbase is the custodian. And because of that, there's also regulatory and compliance laws that we need to meet. And that's important for the protection of our users. Once we get over a very simple onboarding, then you are exposed to the world of crypto. Going back to kind of the bank analogy here, the high level frame is the bank abstracts away a lot of the complexity. If you want to use a self-custodial wallet, you do have to handle seed phrases, security concerns, you have to think through all those risks, right? right. There's a lot of benefits that goes along with that, except more, maybe more freedom. But on yeah. the other hand, the custodial approach using Coinbase.com, well, we handle the security for you. We're custing yeah. those assets. We're making sure that they're safe. We're giving you educational resources. We're giving you clean, clear guidelines and, and kind of paved roads to access crypto. Yeah. Um, the downside, though, is, you know, maybe there's less of a comprehensive suite of things to do. Yeah. Because we, again, are regulated. We want to make sure that we're offering safe and compliant paths into crypto. And that's not always going to include every brand new novel thing. It takes us a little bit of time to make sure we can give those paved road experiences. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of the trademark. That, you know, honestly, and if I'm talking about, you know, what the average person should be using, I think their first step needs to be the, the custodial approach. It does. It absolutely it's, does. It, it kind of has to be because that's how you get dollars into crypto to begin with. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's a very regulated process, frankly. Yeah. Um, but it's also just because you might not be ready to handle a lot of the technical and security sort of implications that come with using your own wallet. This is money we're dealing with at the end of the day, or at least value, yeah. digital real estate, digital value. And if you mess something up, if you don't understand how things work, like there's a lot of horror stories about people who just don't understand what's happening, making some mistakes and yep. unfortunately losing some money. Yeah. And, and there's no there's no undo button 
there's no the nobody blockchain. to call, right? If, if, yeah. Yeah, if, if you have a self-custodial wallet and you mess up, like that's the point of blockchains. There yeah. is no person that can reverse that transaction. That's the point, frankly. Yeah. Let's, let's actually take a moment here and I want to throw out a philosophical question. I feel like it's philosophical at least. What deep is a dish, wallet? Deep dish? Uh, I, was, <laughs> I thought you were going to go down the pizza road. No, the pizza route. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> what is a wallet? We'll have to tackle that one later. But I mean, what is a wallet, right? Now, it seems kind of silly because I think all of us know what a wallet is. Like, we carry one around our pockets, you know? Yeah. Um, but in crypto, the term wallet actually is more than just a place to store your funds. Uh, at the end of the day, like you said, a wallet is a place to store assets. It's also a place to manage assets, right? And like, you can think of wallets as a gateway into Web3. Right. And, and Web3 in itself is a way to engage in a new kind of Internet, a set of services that uses the blockchain. It's owned by builders. It's owned by our users. Uh, but a key uh, verb or action in Web3 is managing the use of our tokens or assets um, to, to engage in Web3 activities like buying an NFT or going down the DeFi rabbit hole of you know, staking, yielding, etc. Right. If you think of wallets, it's a very simple primitive, right? So like in Gmail, if you want to look at your email, you sign in with like a username uh, and a password or your email address and a password. Watch Netflix, same thing, right? Um, that's a way to, in the Web2 world, like authorize that you are the holder of the account and you have access to do things in that app itself. Okay, so like why would we need something actually different in Web3? Well, I mean, this is also core to how blockchains work, right? So a wallet holds money, but that's that's like not it. The wallet actually is the manager of the cryptographic key. And that private key and then the public key, which is your address, boils down to in its core, core essence, your identity and the way you interact uh, on the blockchain. So to participate in Web3, and by participate, I mean like transact on the blockchain, we have to use the keys. A wallet has a private key. And then a public key, which is like exposed, and that's the address. And the way to sign things on the blockchain is, is that key. So wallet, in order to store your assets, you need a simple user interface to then manage and store that key in a very secure way. And so now when I want to go and log into like a, a decentralized app um, to, to maybe buy an NFT, my login is actually my wallet. And I log yeah. in through my wallet and it's kind of cool. I can just click a button and then a, a message pops up and it says, hey, are you are you the owner? And, you know, do you sign this? But you know what? Like what is preventing someone else from from taking over this wallet? Well, it's how I manage my own private keys. Right. And that's really like the spectrum. When we talk about self-custody, you are the one responsible. So maybe yeah. an analogy there is like if you went into Amazon, right? Uh, and you want to purchase something, you would sign in with your email address and password. We talked about that. But when you click buy, sometimes you have to enter your credit card verification code, like that CCV, the three or four digit code. Similarly with wallets, like you have the private key, you connect to the DAP, but then when you want to actually transact, like buy an NFT and exchange uh, assets, you need to sign the transaction. And the way it's done is through the wallet. So the wallet abstracts out a lot of that complexity. I want to try a new frame at this, right? The question of like, what is a wallet? How do you describe it? So going back, to, I loved your analogy, by the way, of a house. Now, the important thing is, what do you put in the house? What's up to you? You can put all the different blockchain tokens and assets we can think of. But a wallet's core function in my mind and the primitive behind all of this, like the basic idea is that wallets let you prove ownership yes. of the things that are in the house. 
not only can you take it out of your house and say, look, I own this thing. Here it is and show it to the world. They can all verify. Yep. That's in that house. You can also give, you can also trade the asset and actually exchange it for something else, you know? So the wallet gives you the ability to prove ownership. Yeah. When we think about web three, this whole expansive idea of a new type of internet where people are going to be participating in DAOs and on DEXs and in NFTs and social culture. Well, the idea of proving that you own an NFT is how society is going to end up gating some content or at least providing curated experiences. So in my mind, a, a wallet is not just a place to store assets, but it's actually your browser to the world of Web3. It's your identity. It's because your identity. Mm -hmm. you can put your identity in the house and you can show yeah. the world, this is my identity. Yeah, and you know, in in my house and in, in your house, like we all have our own personalities on the wall, right? In terms of like whatever posters or pictures or art we put up, the choice of furniture. So I think that the house analogy works works really well. And you know, today we may have like artwork on the wall, which is our physical real world gallery. And in a wallet, a self-custody wallet, uh, you can have your sort of virtual NFT gallery that people can see and see your personality. And honestly, like your real life personality and your wallet personality don't even have to like be the same. Yep. Let's chat a little bit about kind of some of the cool things that you can use wallets for these days in the world of Web3. And I just want to make sure that we're all clear on this, right? So custodial wallets like Coinbase.com, they probably cannot participate in this bleeding edge of crypto today. Yeah. Working on ways to do this through a custodial experience, through a paved road, through a bank of sorts, right? To make it easy, simple, regulated. But the world of non-custodial wallets is always going to be a little bit more bleeding edge. So it's fun to think about some of the ways you can prove ownership, you know, bring out your assets, bring out your personality. And so I had one in my head that I was thinking about. There, there are certain, um, you know, chat, chat groups on Discord these days that are forming around NFT communities. And a very big, very prominent NFT, the Board Ape Yacht Club, their primitive idea was, hey, one of the benefits to holding one of these NFTs is that you can go to Discord and get special access to a chat room that other NFT holders now have access to. And the way they do this is you have to link, you have to sign in with your self-custodial wallet on Discord. Right. And what that process does is basically a Discord bot looks at your wallet, you sign a transaction, you turn that key in your house and open the front door and they can look in and see, yes, you own a Board Ape Yacht Club NFT. Right. As soon as that happens, then the Discord bot gives you access to that special channel. But at the core premi premise is that you have to be able to prove you own that NFT. Yeah. And you do it by using a self-custodial wallet. But I also think like this proof example, you can take it to physical real world events too. Um, so like if there's a conference and let's say there's a, a little you know get together or happy hour for... Um, uh, again, board eight, board eight folks or, or another NFT community, like your entry, your ticket into that event is showing your NFT, uh, but not like the right click save version where you see the picture, but actual proof from the fact that it is in your wallet and that your wallet can sign and show proof that you, you hold this NFT. And Even more exciting too, is this idea that it's not just your NFT is access, but let's say you go to an event. There's something called POOPS, proof, yeah, of, yep. <laughs> proof of Attendance Protocol. And so you go to an event and they give you this POOP, which is basically an NFT that says, hey, you are at this event. Now that lives in your wallet. It lives in your little blockchain house, right? Yeah, and for yeah. all eternity, you can prove that you are at that event. Well, how cool is it now that people can actually airdrop value or, or give people who are at this event access to another event? You can suddenly layer these things on because blockchains have memories, right? Yeah. It's there. It's recorded for all time. Yeah, and I think... On top of that, like the layer that typically has not been so easy to, to build is like the community aspect around it, right? And so I think a really important aspect of self-custody and wallets is anyone can participate. Um, now, 
some of these NFTs, like they they are expensive and and they've uh, you know gone up in value, but anyone can enter the space and start with you know there's lots of just great projects out there in the NFT space and the music space, uh, even in the gaming space. This is why crypto is so addictive. Because I think as soon as you understand some of the primitives and some of the base ideas that are happening, you can suddenly start running wild with your own imagination and go, hmm, we could do this. What about that? What, how would it apply to this scenario? Oh my gosh. This is why it's also just such a broad exploding and a Cambrian explosion of sorts, right? Of all these ideas being tried. And yeah. oh man, it's such an exciting era to be in, frankly. One, 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 uh, one idea that just keeps like top of mind for me is, you know, I spend a lot of time doing hiring and, and, and recruiting as, as part of my job uh, to grow the team and scale up. Um, but you know, there's there's the standard concept of a resume, right? Like, how do you actually prove the things listed on the resume are are true? How do we actually like prove that ownership and prove prove that on chain and let that be the artifact for the interviews yeah. and the recruiting? I assume you've heard of DGen Score, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is obviously like maybe the canonical example, the early primitive, the early idea that's like shining a light here, but. This person, um, I don't really know who, probably an anonymous person, frankly, um, basically uh, developed this score, this algorithm system that looks at a blockchain address, looks at, you know, a house address, right? Your little yeah, blockchain yeah. house, and says, hmm, we can look at all the activity each of these houses do. And they gave you a score based on how much of a degen you were, like how yeah. much you aped into all these protocols and tried different things. And what's interesting is that crypto firms are hiring based on your degen score. Show yes. me your address, prove you own the address. Ooh, this is what's happened over here. Okay, I can look at your activity. I can prove it. I can see you've been a degen. I can like verify all the yeah. stuff going on. And that becomes your resume of sorts. Your yeah. activity, the more it gets integrated with the blockchain, the more it gets part of your personality, part of your history, part of your resume. Yeah. And so it goes back to that fundamental question you ask, what is a wallet? I think a wallet, uh, I think, um, seems just this great quote, a wallet is, is your digital knapsack. It is who you are, what you are, everything that sort of composes you over time. Uh, and it's that identity piece. Yeah, important to note too, you can have more than one knapsack. And yes. this is another difficult, interesting twist here is, you know, you actually don't have to be public with your identity, right? Yeah, I know, for sure, for yeah. sure. But it, but it's cool, like it, it's, it starts leading to then different areas of like brand, like people are building their own brands through this, yeah. this identity, right? That is perhaps decoupled with their, their real life identity. This is what's fun about crypto. Again, we get to just pontificate about this. So what a great, what a great job we have at Coinbase to just <laughs> build crypto and talk about this stuff. Well, yeah, um, and, and build that future. Maybe I want to take a moment, though, too, and just give a sober mind towards some of the risks of self-custodial wallets. I don't know. Maybe let's start with just like a, a simple example. It's like, let's say you want to just buy an NFT, right? There, there's an NFT you heard about somewhere, your friend, family, Twitter, um, and you want to, to uh, go ahead and purchase it or, or you know, buy it off OpenSea or Mint it. Um, so like, it might help to just explain the basic steps most folks would take, and then let's unpack like, where can things go horribly Would wrong? it actually help to go through like the user experience of what happens when you download Coinbase wallet? Yeah. What do you do exposed with? How do you get your little blockchain house? Yeah. How do you get the key, right? Let's and then we'll talk it. about the risks as they pop up. So yeah, I download the wallet, what happens? So you download the wallet, um, you go to the app store, you download the wallet, and you're presented with like, hey, welcome to Coinbase wallet, let's onboard you, let's ask you two simple, like a, a simple question. Do you already have a wallet? Um, and do you want to import it? Or should we create a new one? So if you go down the, the path of importing a wallet, it's essentially taking an existing wallet address, but specifically the seed phrase, right, this 12 word or 24 word phrase that you enter in plain text into the wallet, uh, into the onboarding flow, and then from there, like, that is your signature, that is your key to all the 
transactions you've made on the blockchain. So the wallet will basically take that seed phrase, do the math behind it, and go off into the blockchain and basically download um, all your on-chain activity and present that to you. So step one of like, where can things go wrong? <laughs> um, we really, really remind everyone to please like make a copy of this seed phrase. And there's a whole spectrum of ways you can do that too. So one, we make a really simple experience, just back up the seed phrase in an encrypted manner uh, to iCloud or Google Cloud, right? And there's just like a one button push click. And that way, like if you ever lose your seed phrase or you need to um, install your Coinbase wallet onto a different phone, you can just pull that seed phrase uh, from, from the cloud. Um, but other, you know, sometimes people just hit skip and that's, that's when things can go wrong. Um, listen to the prompts, yes. Yeah, listen to the prompts and it's really important. Okay, so let's pause here, right? So we basically went from I downloaded the wallet, the wallet then prompted me to, it gave me a, a seed phrase, a basically a password of sorts, a really fancy password, bunch yep. of words. Yep. And then it drops me into the actual wallet itself. Yep. But that moment where we're talking about the complexities around that seed phrase, how important it is, to bring it back to the house analogy, that seed phrase is your key. Yeah. If somebody else gets the seed phrase, guess what? They have the key. Right. Then they can steal the assets, do whatever they want with your assets, and it's all gone. So very, very, very important that you safeguard that key in a safe manner where only you can access it and nobody else. Yeah, and so, to, to, to just even reaffirm, there is no scenario or situation where if someone is asking you for a seed phrase that you should ever give it to them. You are essentially giving them the key That's the biggest scam or red flag ever, yep. If anybody exactly. ever asks for a seed phrase, you know it's a scam. Run away. <laughs> yeah, run away. There, run there's away. no world. They're asking no for the key world. to your house, right? Would They're you ever give the key to your key. house to somebody random? No, yeah, you no. wouldn't. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, just just don't do it. No yeah. matter what. No matter what, like compelling information uh, they're sharing or so, you know they want you to give. There certainly is a lot to talk about around best practices and how to be safe on the blockchain. It really does re revolve around safeguarding and securing your private key. And this is again the fundamental difference between a self-custodial wallet and a custodial wallet. If you go to Coinbase.com, the main Coinbase app. You're never presented with the seed phrase right. because Coinbase holds that for you and right. we don't share it with anybody. We safeguard it very carefully, right? But if you want to play in a self-custodial wallet, the entire point is it's your assets, only your assets, nobody else's. And so you have to have a seed phrase. That's exactly right. right. If, if our, I think our listeners are curious about this. I'd remind them to go check out the episode with Mark Nesbitt where we dive into best practices and how to do this safely. Yeah. So once you're in the wallet app, boom, you got a seed phrase. It's backed up to the cloud. You're safe. You're happy. Yeah. What does Coinbase Wallet present you with? So uh, it presents you at first with just a, a view into your portfolio, right? So if it's an unfunded wallet, meaning there's nothing in the wallet, it's empty balance, you'll see zero as your portfolio balance. And it will prompt you to say, hey, well, welcome to Coinbase Wallet. Let's fund your wallet. Let's buy some uh, crypto, right? And you click this, this really simple button and it pops you up. And now this is kind of the cool thing where we can leverage the power of our centralized exchange. Right, the Coinbase.com uh, and the centralized exchange, where you can hop on over and um, essentially buy some crypto from the centralized exchange. We're highlighting another critical difference, right? Is the custodial, the main Coinbase app, that's where you can link your bank account. Yeah. That's where you can add your debit card. That's where you can easily buy and sell crypto and get access to crypto. Right. Then you can send it from the main Coinbase app into your Coinbase wallet, your self custodial app, where it's in your house with your key. One possible. Uh, again, gotcha here is making sure you send it to the right wallet address, the right self-custody wallet address, the address that you are the holder of because you hold the private keys. 
right? And so it's really easy to find the address in the Coinbase wallet. There's just a really simple like receive button and you can say, hey, show me my address. And that's the thing you have to use when you want to transfer the funds, the crypto yep. order. Yep. There's always a bit of a moment too where people for the first time experience crypto and they go through this, this process of sending money and you know, it's kind of scary, kind of harrowing, kind of wondering if they're doing it right, hoping it doesn't get lost somewhere. And then as soon as it goes through, it's, oh, wow, that was magical. Yeah. And it's and just the, like, and oh, like a wow. <laughs> pro, pro tip is just try sending like a, a very, very small amount, like a dollar's worth of, of crypto and just make sure like things are working okay, right? Um, you don't want to send a whole lot of money and, and realize like, oops, I sent it to the wrong address. Yep. The other thing I want to touch on too is, you know, we're kind of talking about Coinbase Wallet in the context of a mobile app. Yeah. But it also lives as a browser extension. That's right. And this is kind of how we're accessing some of the bleeding edge, like the Board Ape Yacht Club, Discord chat. Um, there's other things as well, right? But the way that works is if you do have Coinbase Wallet, you can have it both as an app on your phone or as a browser extension. Yeah. It's a little button on your browser. You click on it, and it pops up. And when you go to these websites that are Web3 enabled or, you know, more or less Web3, today it's a little bit like the modems in the early 90s. Like it's kind of a janky process, a little bit <laughs> yeah. weird, right? But we're going to yes. get better at it. But at least today... Yeah. You kind of click connect wallet on the website and up, up pops the Coinbase wallet browser extension. That's right. And it's basically asking you, hey, do you want this website to know your address? Do you want them to verify that it's you accessing the website? And if you click yes, the browser extension, the Coinbase wallet app, will sign a transaction on your behalf. And, or not even a transaction, it's just a message. Yeah, but they'll sign message. something that verifies that you are the owner and you, you do have these assets and then the web app, the Web3 sort of application you're using, um, the Board Ape Yacht Club Discord chat knows that, yes, this is you. Yes, you own a Board Ape Yacht Club NFT. And boom, you're suddenly logged in. Yeah. I think an a important point to like emphasize here, though, is the wallet doesn't care if you, Justin, are the owner or if I'm the owner, right? It's the key. That's the seed phrase. All right. And so that, that website that you're interacting with it's not going to differentiate between Justin and me clicking that, hey, connect to this uh, this um, this DAP button or this website button. It's really just whoever holds that, that seed phrase. So going back to how important it is to protect that seed phrase and make sure no one else gets it. Because um, you can see, you know, now going back to like some of the security gotchas and how to stay safe, there are scam sites out there. There are yeah. lots of scam sites, you know, and they use very similar sort of uh, URLs as like the, the the true verified site. And what you'll see is like, you'll click on one of these sites and then a similar pop-up comes up. And it, the first thing it usually says is like, enter your password, right? And, and that's fine. Like some of these, these apps are locking, you know, have an auto lock feature, which is great. It provides security and you can have biometrics or just a password. But then very quickly right after, uh, you'll see on some of these scam sites, it's enter your seed phrase. Hmm. Right. And that that's happens fine. a lot on desktop. And uh, that's what you want to like avoid. Maybe a fun experience then would be to pontificate on the future of wallets. Five, 10 years from now, I think it's going to be a very different situation. We're going to get broadband for wallets, right? <laughs> no yeah, longer yeah, have to deal yeah, with modem yeah. dial-ups, right? Yeah. Um, so why don't we play a little game here? Um, what do you think is going to be the biggest notable difference five, 10 years down the road? How are wallets going to change in a really meaningful way? So I think there's the, the whole experience, right? Like we, we have all these Lego blocks that just don't like really harmoniously work together. I think there'll be a lot more abstractions uh, still maintaining true to, to being decentralized. Um, the experience one is gonna be simpler. And two, I think the wallet itself, I don't think the wallet 
in five to 10 years has even been built. I think to get there, we need first a simple experience, right? Even when you and I were just walking through this, like how to buy an NFT experience, like it's just like, like you say, we just keep going down the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. I want the like the buy now Amazon checkout button for buying an NFT, right? One click type of type of experience. And I think that's like really, really, really important. Um, second though, to like make that real, um, we need to have safety and simplicity, right? And, and it needs to be really safe and transparent for the user. So when we're signing transactions, when we're engaging with Web3, like how do we have the safety first features in mind that allow people to engage in activities they care about, right? Um, so I think that's like number two. And then the third is accessibility, right? So I'm talking like sort of table stakes and then I'll get to like the five to 10 year wallet, which is like a Swiss army knife of everything. But the table stakes is accessibility. So right now, if you even think about gas fees and gas fees are just the amount of, think of it like giving a tip to a blockchain validator or a miner. Um, it's the amount of money you have to spend uh, to get a transaction validated on the blockchain. So Ethereum right now is super congested. Gas fees are high. Uh, they, they are a roadblock, right? $50 is, is, in, is not nothing, right? And so building on accessibility and more scalable on-ramps or L2, like layer two solutions or layer one solutions that are more efficient, making the ability to transact in Web3 far more scalable, which leads to accessibility. So making those transactions cost cheaper. I think when you get the ease of use on onboarding, you get that accessibility and you get that security, then we start building out flywheels. So now I think five to 10 years, I think email logins are gonna be gone. And I'm, I'm gonna be so thrilled about that. I'll just be able to like click, you know, sign with my wallet and it proves I am who I am. But I think like five to 10 years, I think wallet and that identity management is going to actually be key uh, a key primitive to many apps. So these are like gaming apps, um, VR type apps, finance apps, or even like social apps. So I think we'll see a prolif proliferation of apps that are dependent on key management and wallets. But I also think you'll start seeing wallets that start becoming Swiss army knives um, uh, of the future. Wallets are the focal point of your activity and identity in a new Web3 world. And to the extent you're bullish on Web3, on what crypto can accomplish, on the primitives being created, on the ability for us to engineer amazing things out of all these Lego bricks, well, the wallet's going to be a very critical part of that. And I mean, you got a tough, tough sell if you want to tell me that that stuff's not, <laughs> not going to be an expansive, interesting world. It's going to be a very expansive, interesting world. The internet started out as just this kind of like niche, weird little zone that people could go off and email each other or participate in news groups or chat rooms or whatever, but it was very localized. There wasn't a lot of connectivity between the internet and the real world. But as the internet grew and developed and matured, more and more companies integrated the internet. More and more got a web page. More and more let users access their services online. And suddenly there was a bit of a tipping point, right? Right around when I, the iPhone launched, when it really became ubiquitous. Suddenly we're carrying around internet browsers in our pockets. And now everything is on the internet. And we're gonna see a similar wave in crypto, at least that's my opinion here. Right now it's niche, it's localized, it's a little bit weird and abstract, but we can all look at the future where all these different services and companies connect to a blockchain somehow, and your wallet is your browser, is your iPhone for that world. That's right. That's absolutely right. And mm -hmm. I think that's 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 the future I'm excited about, honestly. Me too. And, and, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just a really enough. cool like marriage of yeah. uh, 
a paradigm shift in technology that brings community inclusivity uh, that like anyone can participate in. Just how do we make it accessible? Yeah. I think it's a great place to end, to be honest. Um, I guess I would encourage our listeners, you know, if you're new to crypto, uh, put your foot in the water, get the custodial app. You know, it's going to be a curated, smooth experience. It's going to be trusted. And if you want to participate in some of the bleeding edge things, at least today, a self-custodial wallet is the way to do it. Yeah. Um, and so check it out. Coinbase wallet on the App Store. Yep. Love it. Thanks so much, Justin. This was fun. Well, there you have it. And I think it'll be interesting to check back in with Chintan in five to 10 years, maybe more like two to three years and see if we were right in our predictions. But that was an engaging conversation. Loved having him on. And make sure you listen and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, reach out to me on Twitter, comment on YouTube. Let us know if you have any other questions. Was anything left unsaid or lingering questions about how this all works? Let me know. And as always, catch us on the web as well, coinbase.com slash around the block. Long form research, more podcasts, a lot of great stuff for you. And catch us next week for more. Thanks. Today's conversation is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal or investment advice. Actual results may vary materially from any forward-looking statements made and are subject to risks and uncertainties.